The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. It's really an awesome privilege to be back in the God's favorite house and to have the privilege of listening to the true worshipers. They truly are the best choir. Every time I'm so, so blessed. So, so blessed. And for all of us, I bring you greetings from Bessie Place. And like I was telling some people, one of the biggest challenges of these times, these times that we are in, is to know who to follow. Many voices, all in the name of Jesus. Everybody saying their own, and everybody professing to be doing things in the name of Jesus. Here, in God's favorite house, you have somebody who is truly pursuing the Lord. And therefore, you are in the proper place where you have a true shepherd and you have a true follower of Christ. Pastor Femi is a man that has been tested, a man that pursues God, that we all are also emulating. And so, it's a privilege to be here, to minister. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you and we bless you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor and adoration. Our Father and our God, today as we go into your word, we ask that you will illuminate our hearts. You will open our hearing. And you will cause us to hear as we should hear. To see as we should see. And for our hearts to receive revelation. Father, the grace to be doers of the word that we shall hear. Father, give unto us in the name of Jesus. The strength and the grace, almighty God, to meditate, to ponder on them and to see and to apply them in our lives. Release unto us in Jesus' mighty name. As we speak, Lord, let Jesus be lifted up. Let him draw men to himself. May we all prosper from your word in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are taking the last, I mean the third part, the third worship experience on the series titled Wisdom for Strategy. We started yesterday and today the first uh, worship experience, I mean the second worship experience, which was the first of today. And this third worship experience will be going further. Our text, the background, is Luke 16, verse 8. And then generally, 1 Kings chapter 2. Luke 16, verse 8. Shall we have it as we had in the various... And the Lord commended the unjust word because they are not wise. We are only concerned with the second part. It says, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And give us in the New Living 
and then the message. Since it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. It says, because he knew after to look after himself. Now, the second verse says, streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And we said that we need to understand the background. We all know the story, the unjust world who was cutting corners and everything. And we should be surprised. Why should his master, who has been shortchanged, be commending him? Christ was saying that the world knows how to manage itself. It knows how to manipulate. It knows how to achieve ends more than the children of light. And because the world can manipulate and it's matter. The children of light are always playing catch up. God wasn't saying that we should adopt their methods. No. He was just saying that you and I need to learn how they operate. So that we will not be manipulated, we will not be deceived, and we will not receive the short end of the stick. That is what Christ was talking about. And he's saying that for us, we need to understand the relevance. Because God's desire is that as children of the light, we are the light of the world. We are the city set on a hill. He says we should occupy till it comes. He expects us to reign and to be in dominion. He expects us to occupy the places of leadership and the places of dominion. But the reality is that we are not in those places. Not because of the failure of God, because God cannot fail. God has spoken it. He has spoken it over our lives. First Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, The things that I have not seen that he has not heard, that has not been imagined by man, that is what God has proposed and given to those of his children's elect that he has loved, those that love him. And so, we choose step back and ask ourselves the question, how come it is the children of the world that are in these places of dominion? How come we, the children of light, whose inheritance it is, because the word of God is sure, his testimony is sure, how come we are not walking in dominion? And so Christ was saying, one of the reasons is because you are not street smart. One of the reasons is because you don't know how the world deals. And you need to know how that is, that you may, with the light of God and the spirit of God in the, and the wisdom of God in you, be able to overcome them. And that serves as a background to our discussion and our sharing today. And so we said generally we'll look at five relationships. We started last night with the relationship between David and Solomon. We saw that in, chapter, in verses 1 to 10 of First Kings chapter 2 that he gave him a charge. He gave him an advice. He admonished him and he encouraged him and he trusted him to be able to make the right decisions in the wisdom of God. What he did was, this is what I have experienced. This is what I have seen. This is the reality of life. And it is up to you to know how to counter it. Brother, you cannot wish the world away. Jesus says we're in this world, but we are not of this world. It means that whether you want to or not, whether you like it or not, you have to live and to engage with the world. But he says that there are ways to engage with the world so that you will overcome. 
It is one of those that were looking at this. That is by the wisdom of God. You and I as Christians to occupy that place that Christ has for us. Those places of dominion that he has given us the nations. We need to know how to deal with the enemy and to engage in the warfare that is required at that level. That level of warfare is nowhere near what anything we have seen either to. It is subtle, it is refined, and is so much more dangerous in the consequences and implications. The effect of the manipulation at that level can be quite destructive. And Christ is concerned that his church, we, his church, have no idea of how to get by at this level. And so he says, I will overturn and overturn and overcome until it comes whose right it is. God is overturning and waiting that we will come to the level to be able to carry this level of dominion and authority and leadership. Yet, how long will God wait on us? As we said in the message yesterday, God always has replacements. The reason some of us have not been able to enter into the fullness of that which God created us for, the purpose for which God created us, is because we lack the wisdom to be able to operate at the level that God has called us to. And God being a loving and a merciful father, not wanting us to be destroyed because the prosperity of the fool will be his own destruction, doesn't allow us to get into that place. Yet some of us are getting angry with God. We are saying, Lord, you said this, I'm not there yet. You need to check yourself. Do you have what it takes to survive at that level? And so we must of necessity seek for the wisdom, for the strategy with which to engage the world. So after we looked at David and Solomon, we looked in this, in the second worship experience earlier in the first service, at Solomon and Adonijah. We saw that the enemy can be quite strategic, can be very subtle, and that we can't afford to level down our guard. We can't afford to be deceived. For the implications and effect of deception can be quite destructive, even unto generations yet unborn. And it is beholding and impulse upon us that we have to know. We saw in that case that Solomon had an understanding. He took the admonition of David. He took it to heart and he knew how, what to do. We saw how his mother had gone on and taken a, a message from Adonijah and sheepishly gone on to him, not understanding the implications of what it was. We said, look, she was trying to say, oh, let me buy peace so that at least if this is all he wants, he will let Solomon be at peace. And we said, the peace of the graveyard is not true peace. So many of us, we are saying for the sake of peace, we are compromising the very purpose for which God created us. Saying for peace, for peace. We said there comes a time when a Christian must take a stand. We say it's not about being feisty, it's not about being uh, obtuse, it's not about being feisty. No, no, no. He's just knowing that thus far, no more. This is where I draw the line. And that's what we saw here. When his mother told him, <laughs> Solomon said, Mom, da. he said I should give him Abishag. Ah, no problem. He might as well ask for the whole throne now. Maybe he's older than me. Give him the kingdom then. And not only him, give it to him, Abiata and Joab. 
And you'll wonder, what kind of reaction is that? Because he understood the implication. Like we said, the implication was that Adonijah was taking a claim to the throne by taking the crown jewel of David's harem. Unfortunately, it was his mother that was the bearer of the news and the message. We're saying we Christians have to be discerning. We have to know this. So many times the world is sending us messages. And unfortunately, we are so careless and so complacent. We carry it and go and deliver. May we not be like Uriah in the name of Jesus. The implications are quite serious. And one of the things that we ended with was that you have to know when to be able to change your mind. You made the decision, you should be able to change it. We're not saying changing it for flippant reasons. No, 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 no. When you have an understanding of the implications, it is incumbent upon you to change it. When his mother came to him, he said, Mother, ask me anything. The mother came to him and said, I want something to ask of you. And don't refuse me. He said, Mother, I will not refuse you anything. The brother had thrown. She sat at his right hand. The right hand is the place of honor and authority. It's a place of exaltation. Remember, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So, in the, front, in the face of all the people, he had said, whatever you ask, I'll give to you. But when she asked something that he knew the implication of, he said, no more. Even though I gave you my word that I will answer you. And he took steps immediately to correct the situation. That's why we ended in the first service. There's a place for confrontation. Being a Christian doesn't mean you should be timid. Too many times we'll say, being a Christian means The Bible itself says, as much as it lies within your power, follow peace with all men. Which means it's not always that you may be able to follow peace. Because if somebody is having trouble and you are following peace all the time, there comes a time where you say, thus far, no more. I draw the line. The Bible also tells us that take out the scoffer and strife will end. And that's what we're going to take off from today. What did Solomon do concerning Adonijah? Verse 24. <laughs> Remember, we started the first half by saying, you have to know your authority and who you are. Solomon said, now therefore, verse 24, as the Lord liveth, which had established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who had made me in an house as a promise, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehada, and he fell upon him and he died. For some of us, you'll be saying you are following peace. And the thing that will destroy us will keep eating at us until it finally destroys. Yet, it's not that we are not being warned. It's not that God is not saying, can't you see the implications of this? Take out this coffer. And striving will end. Brethren, there is a moment where there is a level of ruthlessness that is required of the child of God. You are no less a Christian. You are actually working in the fullness of that which is Christ. When you get to that by the Holy Spirit. We are not saying people should just become feisty and just trouble someone. Mm -mm -mm. We are talking about when the Holy Spirit tells you what to do. Solomon knew that because he had set the boundaries. Remember one of the first things we said is that you have to set the boundaries and the implications from the onset. Once you have set it and everything, no problem. Anybody gets there, you know what to do, 
whenever you get. You wish you don't get to that position. But if you get there, it's not there that you'll be learning what to do, asking to do. No, no. You have to know what to be done because what is required is decisive action. So many of us, see, God's desire for us to get into the place of leadership, the place of dominion, whether in every sphere of influence, it is that you need to be prepared for that place. Being prepared for that place is learning the wisdom of God, starting to know how to deal with the enemy. If you get to the place of leadership and authority without learning those things, the end result is going to be that you will be a failure. Not because God didn't want you to succeed. Not because God hadn't given you the things to equip you. But because you have not learned before you got there. So many people are rushing to become things. When God, who is a God of process, is desiring that you become seasoned. I love food. <laughs> you, know, you know, and the women will know, you know, when you want to do salmon well, you know, you marinate it, put everything, and you keep it for about two days. The thing soaks inside. By the time... <laughs> You don't mind me. <laughs> you know, you guys are so holy. You don't eat. <laughs> but you see, what we're saying is that there is a process. There is a seasoning that makes it become much more. God is saying that you and I ought to be much more seasoned. Because by the time we get to the place of leadership, it's too late to be learning things. In Zechariah 16 and 17, God says, these are the things that you must do. Speak ye the truth to your neighbor and then give the judgments of righteousness and peace in your gates. The burden of leadership, before you get to the place of leadership, you have to work on the place of character and yourself, and to learn the things, so that when you get to the place of leadership, you can carry. See, glory has weight. So many of us are calling for glory, but we, don't, we have not built the strength and the stature to carry when we get there. And as we find Christians rising to the place of authority and leadership, and being overrun by the enemy, is because we were not prepared for the level of warfare at which we have been thrust. And so, we said we're looking at all of these various relationships to give us as an insight. Like I said, it's an area that I have to, I'm just getting interested in reading it. So all of us can learn it together. You can have greater insight. Read it. The reason why we said so was that we all know what happened in First Kings verse 3, I mean chapter 3. Solomon had an encounter with God and he asked God for wisdom. And God said, because I've asked for this wisdom, every other thing I'll give to you. What made him ask for wisdom? It was because he had practiced wisdom in his life and he had seen the results. And so in First Kings 2 verse 46, the Bible says the kingdom was established finally unto him. He had taken out all the things and the people that could be an hindrance. Because his father had told him this is this person, this is this person, this is this person. He needs to know how to deal with them. I trust you to know how to deal with them. Because he was saying in effect, until you sort out these things, you will not be established. The same way in our own lives. It is, you know, there are two types of enemies. Enemies outside and enemies inside. Until you sort out some things, you can't be established in that way God has called you to. You need to confront them and you need to resolve them. You need to deal with them. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. So we see here, Solomon took out Adonijah. In other words, there will always be battles to fight. But the battle from this front will cease, will end. We and I must bring some battles to end in the name of Jesus. 
Otherwise, you will keep fighting those battles. You will never be able to consolidate into that which God has called you into. You'll be fighting needless battles. Battles that you need to have sorted out long ago. You continue. It just becomes a niggling pest. Not letting you concentrate on the greater heights and greater steps that God has for you. So let us now look today at Abiata and Joab. We say we'll take that from verse 26. But the key of it was verse 22. And King Solomon answered and said to his, unto his mother, Why do you ask for Abishak the Shulamite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for his my elder brother, even for him and for Abiata the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeriah. So the first step, first one, yeah, number one is that you must, you have to know the time and season to take your cue. You have to know the time and the season and to take your cue. First Kings, First Corinthians, I mean Chronicles 12, 32, says the children of Issachar were people that had an understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. The challenge for most of us is that we don't know what we ought to do when we ought to do it. So many times we know we have to do so, but we don't know about the cue, the time, the right time for action. So many people don't have an understanding of the times. Exercises 8, we all know. There's a time and season for everything. A time for war, a time for peace. People don't understand that. Our God is a God of times and seasons. So that what it's expedient and incumbent upon you to do in this season may be totally out of place and out of sync next season. If you are still working in the wisdom of last season, how will you thrive? Remember the Bible says when you are fighting with the footmen and you become tired, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? And God is saying we need to be equipped for that higher level, that greater battle. Remember, if a person has been fighting for footmen, he will be tired by the time the horsemen come. Horsemen are fresh, they are on horses. In other words, it's a higher level of warfare. That's what God is telling us. We have to be prepared for that higher level of warfare. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Number two is that the enemy is always confederate. The enemy is always confederate. There is always a coming together. There is always a coming together. Look at it. It was Adonijah that made a request that his mother brought. But look at his response. He said, no, don't give it to only Adonijah. Give him to Abiata and also to Joab. Why would he say that? It was because he was applying some of those people. Never forget the nature and the character of your enemies, and never forget that the enemy is always confederate. Matthew twenty-two fifteen to sixteen. Quickly, what happens is when the child of God is coming to die with God, is every enemy of his soul they come together. Even those who are fighting among themselves, they come together. When Jesus, when the the Herodians, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. They all came together and said, ah, this man that has raised Lazarus, the way he's going, everybody's going to him, oh, we need to take him out. They were always jostling amongst themselves. But when it came to the child of God, 
they came together. That is how it is when you are rising up. When God is placing you and God is working that process for you, everyone that have, they come together, the enemy is always confessed. Never forget. Never think that it's only the one that appears to you is the only person. You'll be foolish. There are puppeteers who are behind. Mama, you need to be able to understand all. How do we know this? Let us look at 1 Kings verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 7. When Adonijah had first made the play for the throne, verse 7 says, And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. <laughs> when that thing failed, Adonijah begged for mercy. And said, Okay, I'll be merciful unto you, but if you mess up again, I'll take you out. He didn't move against, did he not know? Remember one of the things we said is that information doesn't necessarily mean action. He knew that it was not only Adonijah. He needed some people who came together. He knew that Joab was there. Remember Joab was the general. Who was the next person? Abiathar was the priest. What do you need for the throne? The priest and the army. That is it. That was why Adonijah had those ones in making the play for the throne. But he knew that those people were there. And he knew that if Adonijah is sending this message for Abishag, he's not alone. So many times as Christians, we just take the surface and we pay. We pay the price. Sometimes steep prices for that level of complacency and lack of discernment. A lack of prudence to understand that the enemy is always confederate. When you look at the story of Nehemiah, let's look at it so that you just understand. Nehemiah 4, 7 to 8. Quickly. Nehemiah 4, 7 to 8. Tobias, Sambalat, the Aaronites, they were all fighting among themselves. But the minute they began to build the walls of Jerusalem, so, but it came to pass that when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were wroth. The enemy is always wroth with you. Like we said, don't be taken in by a rapprochement that is not honest, that is not sincere. The enemy will always try to make it up. No, 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 no. It doesn't change his nature. It doesn't change his character. You forget that to your peril. And they conspired all of them together and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, no, no, no. Four to seven. Go back to five. Five and six. Five and six is what I wanted to brought up. And you know, this was his prayer. Okay. He said, let that sin not be covered. And, but it's that verse four. Yeah, that verse four. They all came no, 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 no. One. Sorry. You, I was reading in the one you gave it to me now. Four, seven and eight. Sorry. Seven and eight. Aha. So verse eight. And conspired all of them together to come to, to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. That is it. The enemy is always conspiring to hinder you and I. You and I must never forget that the enemy is always confederate. 
Whether it's in the office, in your business, in the home, even in the church, don't ever take things just like that. Ask the Holy Spirit for insight. Sometimes somebody is telling you something, there is a disquiet in your spirit. You don't know why. It's the Holy Spirit is prompting you to say, what? Pause. Don't be quick to speak. And don't become, don't take things just on the surface. There's something like, let me come back to you. Let me go and seek the face of God. You don't need to tell the person that you are the one who knows what to do. And there's a place where you will know that this thing is done. There is something that is behind. And you know it and you must come to it. And so, what did he do? He knew that the enemy is always confederate. Number one. Number next one is that God provides the opportunity to take out multiple issues at the same time. See, me and you, we are limited. There's only so much we know. But if you follow God, God will let you see how many things. A lot of times, remember one of the first things we said is, information doesn't necessarily mean action. God sometimes wants to draw so many things that you are not aware of into the pool that by one single action, you can resolve it all. That's why you must learn to wait on God and to walk by the Spirit of the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. What happened here? It was Adonijah that came. But he knew that, yes, this was God. Remember, God, David had told him about them. He knew about them, but he didn't rush to act. Some years must have passed, but he just waited. But immediately, because he knew what needed to be done when that occasion arises. So he just was waiting. Once that thing happened, he knew that, yes, this is my opportunity to take out Abiathar and Joab together. And so, the Bible says in verse 26, And now to Abiathar the priest said the king, Get thee to Anathoth unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death, but I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. Verse 27, I want us to read it together. So Solomon thrust at Abiathar from being priest unto the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Brethren, the testimony of the Lord is sure. The word of the Lord, you can't overrule it. No man can change it. God said, am I not the one that called you Eli? And said, you and your generation will forever stand before me as priests. Said, don't be it far from me. Because you have failed to discipline your children. You have honored your children over me. Say, be it far from me. I change my mind. I repent of that which I have called you. But you see, they still continued. Abiata was the last in that line. And so, Solomon, knowing what God has spoken in 2 Samuel, knew that this was the time. And so, it was Adonijah that came, but he knew that this was the time for the fulfillment of the word of the Lord. That the new line must come to be priests. The line of Eli must cease. Brethren, you don't know what you carry. The Bible says in Psalm 149 that this honor God has given to us as his saints to execute his judgment upon the hidden. You don't know what you are carrying. The situation where God, you are the instrument of God to execute the word of God and the judgment of God. When you show mercy in that situation, it will be your life for the life of the person. As we saw in the case of Ahab, 
God had said, destroy Bernadette and the Syrians. Because they said God was the God of the hill. They God defeated them. He said God was, was it, show them. Destroy them utterly. And then, of course, deception. They came to him. Said, oh, you know, we are, they put sackcloth on there and everything. Why? Because they said the kings of the Israelites are always merciful. The Christians are always merciful. Ah, you're not a Christian. Show mercy. Show love now. Ah, the love that will be your own. That is not love. That is foolishness. You are being manipulated. It is because you don't know who you are. Because if you know who you are, as Solomon knew he was, I gave my word to you that I will answer whatever you said my mother, but I changed my mind. Did he lose the throne? Did he change from being king? He remained king. You are who you are. You don't have to appeal to anybody. You don't need to perform. You don't need anybody's acceptance. There's only one acceptance you need. That of Jesus. Every other thing, no. The only cue you need is that of God. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You, your own duty, my duty, is that the Lord's name must be glorified. And that is how it was. So we said the enemy is always confederate. The opportunity to take out so many things, God can give to us. We are the ones that must recognize that seizing an opportunity. Next one. To recognize the moment is crucial and it is your responsibility. To recognize that moment of opportunity very crucial. But because once missed, it may take another cycle before it comes. And something never comes. But whose responsibility it is? Is it? It is yours and it is mine. It was Solomon's responsibility to understand this is the moment and this is the time, my cue for action. And this is when I can move against these other people. Remember, Adonijah was very popular and the, all the people had gone with him before he was made king. So he had to try and establish himself before he could move. He understood to wait on the timing of God. Jesus said, that the people in Matthew 16, 2 and 3 says, you people, you know how to read the seasons. You know how to read the times. You can say it's going to rain. You don't know the times in the spirit. Brethren, it's your responsibility to understand the spiritual timing and the season of your life where you're at at each moment. We're going to the next level. Step up. It's a different ball game at that level. We need to be equipped. May the Lord equip us in the name of Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 4. Quickly. It says, and this is right unto you that your joy may be full. It is saying that you need to take certain steps for your joy to be full. You must understand the moment of opportunity that you will enter into the fullness of that which God has ordained for you. So many of us fail of this opportunity. So many of us are struggling in the midst of the provision of God because we have failed to seize moments. I can tell you, sorry, there was a time that I was working on and then I was given a contract and to nominate somebody and I just nominated somebody. 
The person that God wanted to do the thing was in my house fellowship. But I felt, ah, this person is already okay now. Let me do somebody else that is, another brother that is just coming up and everything like that. Because I was doing something else. And eventually they messed up the contract and everything was lost. And some years and I was saying, ah, Lord, this is not how it was meant to be. And the Lord said, ah, when this, this, I made provision for you, when I gave you this, the people who are fighting you gave you a corner. Do you think it was by themselves? No, it was me. I said, hey, but I worked, we are supposed to be believers working together. It's another brother that I gave to. And then what God was, the Lord asked me was, did you ask me? I that went to God with complaints, I started to beg the Lord. Because the Lord has made the provision. I was the one that missed out on the implementation. It was right in my, he had made everything. I did not see. In any area where we are blinded, may the Lord open our eyes in the name of Jesus. The discernment to be able to see through the deception of the enemy, may the Lord reveal to us in the name of Jesus. The grace to recognize the opportunities that God has made for us to enter into the place that our joy will be full. May the Lord lead this unto us in the name of Jesus. It is my responsibility and your responsibility and it's very crucial to recognize the moment for action. Next is that never forget the word of God that has gone forth. Just as we said that whether people like you or not, whether they want to or not, you have to recognize what God is doing in your life. As we saw, Adonijah said, you know, I had wanted the kingdom, was supposed to be mine, but God has given it to Solomon. The converse of it is that when you are to be the instrument of God for execution, you must know the word of God had gone forth in Second Samuel that the lineage of Eli will no longer be priests before God. God was going to replace them. Remember we started from God will replace anybody. I always has replacements. He knew that he was the instrument of God. And see, it was a long, God is a God of process. It had been pronounced in the time of Eli, but it was going on. It was going on. It was going on. Remember, Samuel was a small boy. And someone was the one who anointed David. So you can imagine how long it's been. But that word has gone forth. It must surely come to pass. May we not fail of our responsibility to God in the name of Jesus. In you, our responsibility. This was the moment, this was the opportunity. And he seized it and implemented it to the glory of God. Next, the cost of emotional decisions can be costly. <laughs> so many of us make God has emotions but the Lord never makes emotional decisions otherwise he will not have given his only begotten son to be crucified on the cross on the cross the Lord turned God turned away from Jesus because his eyes are too holy to behold iniquity. It was the moment that Jesus dreaded the most. When he was saying, Father, if this cup will pass. It's not because of the torture. That was there. It was physical. It couldn't, that is physical pain. You need to go and read about how crucifixion was done. We know that it was the wickedest and the worst kind of thing. But it wasn't so much the pain. It was that moment in all of eternity when he will be separated from the Father. You know, it cost God 
to be separated from his son, to turn his face away from his own beloved son. It caused Christ to have to go through that. It caused the Holy Spirit. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary that conceived Jesus. It caused the Trinity. The cross, the cross cost the Trinity a lot. So if it were to make emotional decisions, they would have found another way around it. But no. They knew what had to be done and they stood by the same way you and I. Emotional decisions are too costly. Mm. Too costly. We can ill afford them. And the example that I give you, you see 1 Kings 20, 33 to 42. They came, the Syrians, they said, Bernadette, you know, the kings of Israelite are always merciful. Let us go and see how they will appeal. The Bible says they were watching him to see what their kill will be. I need us to quickly read it. <laughs> Say, but the rest fled to Africa into the city. And there a wall fell upon now. And Bernadette fell and came into the city into an inner chamber. Quickly. And the servant said unto him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. The same way, we know that Christians are always to be merciful. It's the way the world is manipulating you and I always, and we're always falling. Because we feel it means that we should be foolish. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you abdicate your thinking faculty. You are supposed to be the one thinking most because you have the spirit of God, which is the fullness of God. The enemy understands and knows you more than you think you do. The Bible says they were always trying to catch Jesus in his words. So look at it here. They said, behold, now we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes on our heads and go out to the king of Israel for adventure. It will save their life. Verse 32. I want us to read it together. So they gathered sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Bernadette said, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, Is he yet alive? He is my brother. Verse 33. I want us to say, Now the men did diligently observe whether anything will come from him and did easily catch it. That's how it is. So the enemy is always watching diligently for you and I to show that moment of emotional weakness. That moment of professional complacency. That moment of a lack of discernment and prudence. And the move. Says, and they said, thy brother Bernard, then he said, go you bring him. Then Bernard came forth to him and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And then he now said, oh, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. But let us look at what God said in verse 42. After the prophet had come. Said, I said unto him, this said unto Ahab, thus said the Lord, because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore, thy life shall go for his life and thy people for his people. Brethren, there are greater implications of that decision you want to take than you imagine. You need to pause. You need to reflect. You need to wait on the Holy Spirit. Don't be hasty. Don't be taken in by the deception of the enemy. Remember the Gibeonites, they deceived Joshua and they fell for it. They had to be fighting forever. It became a curse unto Israel because Saul killed the Gibeonites. And there was a curse on the land until David inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, go to the Gibeonites. And he inquired seven of the remaining of the house of Saul. 
for the thing to be gone. You don't know the implications. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. You have to be constantly praying that God will let you to hear the inaudible, to see the unseen, and to hear the unspoken, the inaudible, and that your heart will see the revelation. So many things are packaged in the name of Jesus. I said in the last days there will be false teachers and so many things. Everything is in the name of Jesus. The responsibility to know the truth and not is yours and is mine. The enemy is always packaging deception. It is incumbent upon you and I that through the Holy Spirit we will be able to see through that. And so we see here that the implications, the cost of emotional decisions can be very costly. Next one, beware of flattery. It's near. Whenever they went to Jesus, they said, oh, we know that was a master. You're always saying the truth. It is a preface to a trap. When they are flattering, when the word is flattering, be careful. That's how they got Herod killed. Oh, this oration is not of a man. It's a God. And it will lap it up. And God struck him and he died. When Adonijah went to meet um, Bathsheba, what did he say? Please, I want you to help me give, because I know that the king can never deny you anything. And she said, ah, of course, he's my son. I carried him for nine months. This my breast fed him. I'm just telling you how we think. <laughs> she had fallen for the deception of Adonijah. And she took a sheepish message that would have foreclosed the kingdom to her son. That wasn't her desire. It was because she was complacent. She lacked discernment and she lacked prudence to see through. God is calling us to a different level. That's why I believe we are going to step up. We need to change again. All this stability and this foolishness, that is not Christianity. I don't know what it is, but that's not what Christ taught. Because Christ knew there was a time to cane people. He drove them out of the temple, saying, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Jesus was not afraid of confrontation. How come we who carried the fullness of the Spirit of God are timid. I'm not saying you should start picking fight everywhere. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that when you walk in tune with the Holy Spirit, you will know when to act and when not to act. That's what God is calling us to. To begin to train ourselves in the ways to counter these people of the world who are wiser in the way they are dealing with the world than us. God is saying, we too can counter them. And Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The next is that you need to consider your motives carefully before you enter any alliances. Joab and Abiathar quickly joined with Adonijah because their motive was not right. Joab was a self-seeking, self everything was about himself. That was why he killed two of those generals. And that was why David said, don't let him go to his grave with his head on his shoulders. Joab was a ruthless person. His strength was in himself. He didn't even obey the king. When David had said, don't kill the one Absalom. He was the one that killed Absalom. But David cooled down. He waited. Now you are the one that must check your motives. What is the reason for your joining that alliance in your office, in your business? Why are you doing it? Have you checked about the people? Do you know about them? Have you asked of God? Because that joiner may be your undoing, may be my undoing. They were more interested in the positions of authority. Their motives 
were wrong. You and I must ask ourselves, do I understand my motives for joining and following a leader? Because that alliance with Adonijah was what caused both of them, Abiata's position, and Joab is life. Then the thing, the next one is to know that it's not how we start, but how we end. Solomon said, You are deserving of death, but I will spare you because you bear the ark for my father. And he went through all the troubles with him. Imagine having gone through all the troubles with David. The times of good, the bad times when Saul was pursuing everything that suffered all of that, the end of his life failed. May we end well in the name of Jesus. Be careful. Be careful. Next one is that you and I must learn that the enemy, we must learn that the enemy carries sometimes a lot of baggage. Why? The enemy is also, next one, the enemy is deceptive and the enemy always tries to manipulate and to deceive. You are the one that must not fall. Remember when Satan wanted to tempt Jesus? He said, ah, you are the son of God. Turn stone to bread now. So many of us as Christians, we fall for all these things. What makes you feel you need to prove anything to anybody? <laughs> you are a child of God. Yeah, that is what it is. You, know, you are not there to come and perform for anybody. You are not there to perform for anybody. He says, ah, ah. The word of God, he twisted it. Remember, that's how we got to where we are today. Did God surely say? That's what the serpent told Eve. She saw he was good to decide. Emotional decision. We are paying for it today. Thank God for Christ. <laughs> uh, brethren, the enemy is always working deception. And so what did, what did uh, Joab do? Once the Bible, the Bible says tidings came to Joab because he had killed Adonijah. He had pronounced judgment on Abiathar and he ran. You know what he did? He ran to the altar to hold the horns of the altar. Remember in chapter 1, that was what Adonijah did and obtained mercy. But there was a difference. Joab had spilled innocent blood. That blood had put a curse over the line of David and Israel because David did not act. So David knew that unless this thing is avenged, my generation will be paying for it. Because I don't act. Israel will be paying for it. Because the Bible is clear, if you kill an innocent man, it's the people who can get mercy are those who do it innocently. That was the purpose. Do you see how the enemy was trying to manipulate? Because Adonijah had run to the horns of the altar and had been spared, dropped to run to the horns of the altar. And so he said, I'm on the horns of the altar. Kill me here. You know what he was trying to do? Ah, no, I should not spill blood on the altar. No, no, no. <laughs> so when that guy too, Benaiah, who came, he was a general too. Because, ah, how do we kill someone? And so he came back to Solomon. He said, Solomon, this is what he said. Solomon said, as he has said, do it to him. Brethren, we can't afford just emotional. I'm afraid we can't go further because the time is up. There's still the part of Shimei. And let me just mention that one of Shimei. Is that 
you have to learn to be patient when you want to work with God for wisdom, for divine, divine wisdom, for strategy. What you did with someone doesn't mean that's how you would do with another person. So what did he tell Shimei? When Shimei, you know, I told him, when this had happened, now what I was saying about the opportunity was that he had never done anything to Shimei, even though David had told him. But when this Adonijah thing had happened, he knew that this was the time to sort out everybody. So after he had they have killed um, Joab, he now sent for Shimei. Said, Shimei, come. You know what you did to my father was deserving of death. Because it was treason. You were busy with soldiers and everything. But he spared you. You were the first one that went to meet him. Okay. But this is what I want you to do. You are going to go and stay in your house in Jerusalem. You'll be within a circumference. You are free to live your life. Oh. However you live among that and everything. But the day you come outside that circumference, that's the day you die. And the Bible says for the next three years. <laughs> now everybody that is looking at will say, ah, this Shimei is getting away with this. This king is weak. Everything. No. You understood divine wisdom for strategy. <laughs> he just kept quiet. Knowing that if you give a monkey a long enough rope, he will hang himself. Remember the nature and the character of the enemy doesn't change. The thief command buffer to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They are just doing the work of their father. They can't change. So you can't have peace with the enemy. That's why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. And so what happened? One day, the servants, they escaped. Self, you and I must crucify the flesh. We must kill the self. It was self that put me in trouble. Under the law, if your servant escapes, you have a right to go and bring him back. And so his servants escaped and they ran outside the circumference that was given. And so when they entered there, he went and brought them back. Remember we said you must keep the enemy close and monitor him. So the word came to the king now. He had gone outside on his back. <laughs> so he said, call him. Oh boy, what happened now? We had an agreement. Why did you breach it? Why did you go outside? Ah, king, it's just the law that I was implementing. That's what they tell you and I. As a Christian and everything. Ah, is it not the same God? Is it not what we are doing? Is it not the Lord that said we should do? Uh -uh. You will have to learn the sermon. I said, ah, it's my servant. They escaped. I just went to bring them back. Hey, but that place you went to bring them for, is it within Jerusalem or not? Or already? Hmm. So she may. And immediately. And after that, let's read verse 46 together. Second Kings 46. 2 46. So the king commanded. No, let's take it from here. Yeah. So the king commanded Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him. That he died. Shall we read that last part together? Remember that's where it started. And the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Brethren, that's where we we'll stop. God wants to establish us. God wants us to take the place of dominion. God wants us to rule until he comes. But there are things we must do that will be established in that which God has for us. And that is what we have tried to do. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. But we must continually. See, these things, I want you to read it. We have just, these are just like, I believe my assignment is just to stimulate 
your thing along to begin to say, ah, hey, there's more to this thing. You read it. God knows where you are at in the journey of your life. He knows what is ahead of you. He will begin to give you the wisdom for your own particular journey. Remember, our journeys are different. Because the Bible says in Psalm 139, 14 and 15, that before my substance was formed, you knew me and you spoke to my substance. Before any part of me was formed, and you wrote in your book concerning my life. There's something written about your life and my life that God wants you to enter into. The enemy is not going to stop fighting you because his aim is that you won't enter there. That's why Jesus, they wanted to kill Jesus at the age of two. So that you don't become any Messiah for anybody. Remember Herod killed all the children out two years and when those wise men went to sin. There will always be those battles. But some of those battles God has given us what you need to do to take them out. Other battles will come, but those ones will cease. And you and I will be established. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus.